Are you finding yourself on the other side of the pendulum with food, eating all of the forbidden foods, yet feeling like you could never eat another salad a day in your life? If that is true for you, listen in. We've got some great tips for you. Welcome to the Love Your Food, Love Yourself, Love Your Life podcast. I am Tammy, your fun-loving and often quirky host. I have been a dietitian for close to 20 years where I've helped countless women transform not only their relationship with food, but more importantly themselves. I believe to my core that as you start peeling back the layers to loving your food and yourself, you end up loving your life like never before. And now is the time, my friend. It is time to break up with diet culture, shift your current stories, rev up your internal wisdom, and recognize that every body regardless of size, not only deserves dignity and respect, but can be healthy because your habits and how you love on yourself is truly what matters. In this podcast, we have real conversations about struggles, insecurities, and false beliefs with loving ourselves and each other through the lens of curiosity, anti-judgment, intuitive eating, spirituality, journaling, and a heaping dose of laughter maybe some tears, but always a whole lot of realness. Hey everyone, I'm Tammy Lance, your host of the Love Your Food, Love Yourself podcast, and I'm excited to be here with my good friend and co-host, Beth Basham here. And today we are going to be talking about how to not get stuck in the diet rebel phase. So most of the time, no, I'm not going to say most of the time, all of the time. <laughs> what happens is that when someone is discovering intuitive eating, they're getting started with it. Maybe they're learning about it from a friend. They've got the book. Maybe they're in our group. However, it is that they're learning. They start learning about intuitive eating. And one of the principles is the first principle actually is rejecting diet culture. And just that principle alone can really help lead you into the honeymoon phase. And the honeymoon phase is number one, totally normal. Okay. But what happens is that sometimes people do get a little stuck there and intuitive eating really becomes kind of an excuse to just eat all things, irregardless of, you know, anything else. It's kind of the, I'm rejecting diet culture. I'm putting my fingers up at you, not the good fingers. Right. And (laughs) just kind of saying, forget you, I can do what I want. And, you know, this is really kind of a near and dear topic to my heart because I am a born rebel. So, I mean, for anybody who knows me, <laughs> they know that if you, you know, tell me, Hey, you need to do this. I'm almost like instantly saying, no way I'm going to do it how I want. Right. So I'm just saying that I can empathize with all of the diet rebels out there. hundred percent, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a born rebel, but here's the thing is that there's actually in the intuitive eating world, there can be kind of harm from staying in this diet rebel phase for too long. It's okay to be there. It's hundred percent. Okay. To be there, but we just don't want to get stuck there because the harm of the diet rebel can really be a loss of control with eating. There can be a lot of self-sabotage happening. So if you're feeling kind of in this phase a little bit, you definitely want to tune in and, and listen up. 
So before I go on and on and on, I'm going to let Beth add a little bit of content here. So Beth, what would you like to add here? Yeah, this is a great conversation because we see a lot of our clients and people in our Facebook groups go into this phase and they wonder why they don't, you know, they've lost, they feel like they've lost control. They feel like they've self-sabotaged, as you mentioned. And some of the things that people can say to us that help us understand if they are potentially still in diet rebel phase might look like the following. I think this might be helpful for those of you maybe trying to identify. I'm not sure if I'm a diet rebel. So these are some of the things that we hear. You might hear in your own head (laughs) or saying to one of us, potentially, you're not going to get me to eat that pork chop. You're not going to get me to eat that green salad. Heck no. I did that when I was a dieter and I'm not touching that stuff anymore. Okay. Uh, The diet rebel might also show up as, Hmm. Now that I can eat cookies, I want to see how many I can stuff in my mouth before my husband walks in the door. Mm-hmm. And then just one more, just for fun. Um, another diet rebel voice might look like this. I cannot wait until my friend leaves my house. So I can just go ahead, get into my pantry and eat what I want without their chastising glares. Yeah. And so if you resonated with any of those. So many of our clients do at least initially on this journey when they embark on this and it's okay. This is totally normal. We want to normalize it and let you know that so many people embarking on this journey actually have this kind of dialogue happening. They throw up their hands and are like putting up the wrong finger, the bad finger (laughs) to diet culture. And they're reclaiming in some ways the autonomy of eating again. And that's a good thing. We want to reclaim that because, you know, it's potential that for years, decades, even you've been living by somebody else's rules and somebody just gave you the green light to take charge and do your own thing. And that's really exciting. So we want to applaud that and hold space for that while also showing you (laughs) that when we get stuck in that space, there can actually, as Tammy mentioned, there can be some harm and there can also just be some real deep feelings of guilt that come from the behaviors that can stem from the diet rebel. Yeah. And thank you for bringing in that, that piece of guilt that can come because if we don't know that being part of the diet rebel phase is kind of a normal part of the process (laughs) that can definitely activate guilt of, Oh gosh, now I've overeaten and you know, I don't feel good. That's another piece. I think that we oftentimes see is that oftentimes people go into the diet rebel phase because they, they can, they're allowed to, but what happens is they're not feeling that great and they just know that they don't feel good. And so then again, because of human nature of, we don't want to not feel good. We start thinking, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't working. Maybe I just need to go back to diet phase. So it's almost kind of that last ditch effort of the subconscious brain, which we talked about in a few previous episodes is that last little ditch effort of the subconscious brain saying, oh, but maybe you need to just go back to dieting. So like that will also come up during this time because you flip into diet rebel you might get activated and encouraged from that little subconscious brain that says, just go back to dieting. That's going to be the better way. Just restrict because you have no control. Right. Um, And so just know that that's normal. 
So the first thing that's going to be needed in order to kind of take note of where you're at within your journey and and what it is that you're going to need to move out of the diet rebel phase is going to be really flexing that muscle of self-awareness. You want to be really just kind of taking notice of your thoughts around eating a certain food. Do you have some blocks maybe from eating quote unquote diet foods? Because I know this is a question that we get a lot is sometimes people feel like, well, when I was on diets or in diet culture, right? Or I was trying to change my body. I was constantly told that salads were the way to go. <laughs> right. And I can tell you, I had a time frame where I, Beth, I don't know if you knew this or not, but basically what I would do in college, because I was driving um, for my upper classes for nutrition, I was driving about an hour away to college. And so I would basically I had this whole system for packing salads and I actually even had thought about, I'm going to figure this out. This is just going to highlight how far I've come (laughs) in my own eating relationship. But I had actually thought about coining and figuring out how to create a cup for a salad where you could pack these cups ahead of time so that some of the different elements of the salad wouldn't touch each other, which would like wilt the salad because I was basically doing that in other versions of to-go cups so that when I would leave for college, I could grab my to-go cup salad and I would eat while driving like every day. So (laughs) insert not mindfulness. Okay. But there was a lot of pastimes with salads. And so, you know, when embarking on this, I too kind of went through the phase of, I don't want to touch a salad another day in my life for a while. Right. But now fast forward, There's times when I love salads, there's times when I don't love salads. And I also know that my salad does not have just lettuce in it, right? I really like to have a really flourishing salad. But what I'm kind of saying here is that if you're finding yourself in this place where you're confused, like many of our other clients have been around, am I supposed to eat vegetables? Am I supposed to eat salad? Am I supposed to eat, you know, like I feel like diet culture has told me to eat those foods for so long that now that I am intuitively eating, am I supposed to eat those foods? Cause aren't those just diet foods, right? So if you're finding yourself kind of having some of those questions, or also if you're kind of like, Hey, I'm going to eat these certain foods, irregardless of my hunger or my satiety, because I've been told I can eat as much pizza cookies, you know, whatever. And you're just kind of, Hey, I want to just keep eating these because I can, it could be that you are in the diet rebel phase. So again, that first step is just looking at that awareness piece. Where am I at on this journey? So I'm asking you to ask yourself that, where am I at on this journey? And to start taking notice of those patterns and you don't need to make anything of it. There's no shame in where you're at. You don't need to make any meaning of any of it. It's just literally, where am I at? Okay. And then Beth, would you like to share kind of the next step? Like once people determine, okay, this is where I'm at, what's next? Yeah. If you found yourself acting out a little bit, flexing the muscle of diet rebellion, you know, the diet rebels ruling the roost and there's some (laughs) self-destruction that's happening as a result, you know, the awareness piece is number one. And as Tammy started to allude to it's number one to figure it out, you know, that you're there and be okay with it. And then start to compassionately 
ask yourself some questions. And this is where I know Tammy and I both love journaling. It could also be in the form of a conversation with a friend, but it might be helpful to ask yourself, what is it costing me to allow my diet rebel to rule and not really honor the inner nutritionist in my body? I like to call her or him or they, the inner nutritionist. But really ask yourself, what is it costing you to let the diet rule? diet rebel rule? And then what boundaries can I begin to establish for myself, not from a place of diet culture rhetoric, but out of self-love? And so this is where we start to discuss how do we transform the diet rebel? Because she has a place in your life (laughs) and she has helped you figure out that the food police and all of these people telling me what to eat or how to look or whatever are no longer free to do that. Right. And so she has put up the diet rebel has put up very strong walls and those walls become self-destructive behavior. So we want to transform that from diet rebel. And this is what Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush call it. They call it the rebel ally. Okay. So you want to start to think about how can I turn my diet rebel into my rebel ally? And, and this is done by, instead of using food as your form of rebellion, right. And going and just eating the thing, telling yourself that I'm never going to eat salads again because they're diet culture, whatever, right. All of those rebellious acts that, you know, are not actually supporting the health of your body. You want to begin putting words in the place of those actions and acting out and with food, we want to start to directly, but politely begin to build boundaries for ourselves with other people and with our society at large to help us gain power or empowerment with food again. Does this make sense so far, Tammy? Yes, this is absolutely making sense. And I know that within the Peace with Food and Soul Signature program that that you offer, one of the things that I help you with in that program is to do workshops for your clients. And one of those things is talking specifically about boundaries. So we host workshop on kind of a, you know, a rolling basis so that everyone who's coming into that program can get access to this because we have found that setting those loving boundaries with loved ones is one of the most challenging pieces of this work. So I really love that you're highlighting that we can kind of shift (laughs) our rebellion. And it's not that you have to be in rebellion mode to set boundaries with loved ones, but it's like, we're just shifting that we're going to use our mouth for the words versus using our mouth to basically eat the food. Because I know that I've heard this before and, you know, I've, probably fallen into this myself in the past, right? Is that, oh, I'll show you. (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and eat all these cookies, right? And then like, as if that's hurting the other person, but really that other person probably has no clue, you know? And so we really need to actually get to quote unquote, the meat of what needs to be handled. I'm sorry. I love food puns all the time, as you know. So we need to get to the, to the meat of it, which is setting those boundaries for yourself in like you said, in a very loving way, and you're doing it out of self-love, not to control the other person. And so I just want to highlight that. I don't want to go fully into boundaries here, but setting boundaries has nothing to do with the other person, actually. 
setting boundaries has everything to do with you and what you need. So as a listener here, if you're thinking about, well, yeah, but this person says this to me about my body or, you know, or what have you, um, you can't change that other person. All you can do is set what you need. And maybe we can talk about boundaries more, but this is going to be pivotal, pivotal <laughs> for basically moving out of the, the diet rebel phase. And if this sounds challenging at all, you know, I'd really highly encourage you to consider having a coach basically help you through this, because I know that as I was learning boundaries, that's how I did it. I learned boundaries even more by having a coach and mentors that helped me be able to set my own boundaries. And that's basically what coaches do or dietitians do, or whomever it is, you know, that you're working with. They basically help shine that light on maybe where you're missing out on setting those boundaries of what you need. Yeah. And before we move on, I think it would be helpful for the listener to hear like, what is an example of a boundary that I might set as I transform my diet rebel more into that rebel ally. So while we won't go into deep conversation about boundaries, these are a few ways that, you know, tangible ways that you might start setting up those boundaries with your words versus acting out with self-destructive eating behaviors potentially. So the first one might look like you have an aunt or a mother or someone in your life, right? I call her aunt Sally, (laughs) just to keep the storyline here. And every time you hang out with Aunt Sally, she's always talking about counting points. She's obviously judging the food on your plate. She's telling you, oh, honey, are you really going to eat that? You know, she says comments that are very rooted in diet culture. And you as the rebel are like, I am so over that, right? So your diet rebel might just be like, yes, I'm eating the pie. Watch it. And you just shove it in, right? Without even hearing your body's cues, without even wanting the food, that would be diet rebel. So what we're shifting into using our mouth and saying, Hey, aunt Sally, thank you so much for your thoughts. But here's the thing, please don't talk to me about my food choices. It doesn't make me feel comfortable and I'm going to eat what makes my body feel right in this moment. That could be something, or maybe she's a food pusher and she is someone who's like, eat this casserole I made. You know, if you don't eat it, you don't love me. You know, I've heard that some people grow up with that narrative and it's setting the boundary of saying, okay, aunt Sally, please don't push that second portion on me. I'm actually quite full. Thank you. So it's being polite in those boundaries, but it's also establishing and allowing that part of you that's rejected diet culture to take a stand, to feel empowered in your new way of being. Um, Another great example of this is body talk. So there's a lot of people in society, social media, maybe even in our personal lives who like to comment on our bodies. And the diet rebel is going to get pretty upset about that. (laughs) And, and it may show up in, again, those self-destructive eating behaviors. Well, I'll show you, you can't comment on my body. I'm going to eat the Twinkie anyway, you know, regardless and not really loving the self through, Oh, am I really hungry for that? Does that make me feel satisfied and full to no? I'm going to stand in my ground and eat the thing because you are trying to control me. Okay. Right. So moving from diet rebel to rebel ally would be actually standing up for yourself and saying, Hey, mom and dad, my body is my business or Hey, Sally, you have no right to comment about my body, right? It's actually putting your voice out there. It's your body, your rules. 
And when you activate your voice, you're setting that boundary for yourself and you no longer have to use um, an eating behavior per se to feel like you've established that boundary. I love those examples. And I know that a lot of times that's all that's needed, right? Because some people might, they might not even realize that they had said it, right? Because it's so ingrained for them. And I think that's another piece of going back to the second part, right? Is tapping into that compassion piece and understanding that the people who are saying off the cuff comments, right? They're saying it from a place of also being impacted by diet culture. So I find that when we, the receiver of the comment can recognize that they are only saying that because they too have been impacted by a diet culture. It's not because they actually are trying to hurt you (laughs) that can help the comments, maybe not feel so attacking. I mean, you probably still do feel attacked, but just, just that little piece of compassion can help soften it a little bit. And then when you're seeing being compassionate towards that person and you set that boundary, that boundary comes through in a much more loving, compassionate way. Again, you're not saying, don't ever talk to me about my body, right? (laughs) You're not just, you know, coming off. You're saying, I need for you to not talk to me about my body because that's what I need. You're not trying to tell them to stop their behavior, which you are in a sense, but you're, you're expressing what it is that you need. And oftentimes this level of just stating your needs is enough. Now, if you are somebody who finds that you've attempted these versions and they aren't working and you're still getting a lot of body comments, food comments from others that you, you don't want to have, and you're finding that it's really continuing to activate that, that diet rebel, you may have to take the boundary setting to a next level, which is going to be (laughs) saying something on the lines of like, I'm not available for this conversation. And, you know, if we continue to have these conversations, I'm going to have to leave the room or I'm going to have to leave the house or I, you know, like you're going to have to basically add a consequence for if this person decides to cross that boundary again, and then you'll have to follow through with that consequence that if somebody goes ahead and talks about it, you're going to take action and you're going to do whatever you said you're going to do so that you can make yourself no longer available for those conversations because you've determined that those aren't helpful for you. And believe me, Beth and I know that these conversations are not always the easiest, right? So just again, to kind of highlight, if you're realizing that, oh, wow, I am either really stuck in the diet rebel phase and I don't know how to get out, (laughs) or I'm really finding that I do need to have these conversations, but they feel really scary and intimidating to me, connect with us and ask for help because we're here to help. This is what we do. This is what we love. We can help you move through it. And I can say from personal experience and setting boundaries in my own life, Sometimes I allowed myself to make excuses for the other people and what they did and their actions without putting myself first. And it was through the support of a community and specifically a coach to say, hey, do you see what this is costing you in the long run to do this behavior and stay in this relationship with this person in this way? It was the only way that I could see the light because our habit brain, (laughs) our subconscious mind wants to also please others. You know, a lot of us have been trained to please other people. You want to avoid conflict. So if you're feeling like, Ooh, I don't like those 
statements that Beth and Tammy made. Like I could never say that to my spouse or my friend or my loved one. That's probably a whole nother podcast where we really talk about people pleasing because that shows up a lot in this work as well. So we could go on and on about boundaries, but I think you guys get the idea here in that diet rebellion, totally normal. (laughs) It's great if you can start to identify where you're at within the diet rebel phase. Maybe you're there now, maybe you're on your way out, but identifying it and then using self-compassion for yourself and those around you who are still in diet culture to help you light your voice up, say the thing, state your boundaries in a way that's polite and supportive of both yourself and those around you. Thank you so much, Beth. So let's go ahead and wrap up with our transformational takeaway. And that is that intuitive eating is not the forever eat what you want diet. (laughs) It's a journey of self-discovery and learning how to honor your entire body and all of your needs. All right. That's it. Much love, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking precious time out of your day to connect here. You listened because there is some part of you that is interested in learning to love your food, love yourself, and love your life. But if you're like most women, you have already been down this road before, wishing, hoping, and wanting for something to finally actually work, but things don't change. That being said, If you're committed to creating long-term change, then whatever you do, consider joining our brand new Uplift community. It's a private and safe Facebook community where you're supported by peers and two professional dietitians and intuitive eating counselors. Again, thank you so much for being here. Much love.